and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson and I'm the founder of Stack. And this week I'm speaking to Helen Jennings, editor of Natal, the magazine of global African creativity. Helen and her co-founder Sarah Hemming started Natal online in 2015 as a place to celebrate the best fashion, music and art coming out of the continent and its diaspora. And over the years they added various talks and exhibitions and finally published their first print issue last year in May 2018. In this conversation, Helen speaks about the new sense of confidence she's seeing amongst young African artists and creatives. And I love the way that Natal reflects that energy and optimism. They'd always intended to go into print, and when they did, they went big. If you've seen it in the flesh, you'll know Natal is a beautifully thick, glossy magazine. And Helen explains that when they finally started working on the print project, they really didn't have any choice but to go all out and make something spectacular. It's a brilliantly ambitious project and they're doing a fantastic job with it. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Helen Jennings, editor of Natal. Helen, thank you very much for coming over to Somerset House. Thanks for having me. So you are one of the people behind Natal, which was one of my favourite new magazines last year. Uh, For anyone who's not seen it, maybe you could tell us what is this thing, Natal? Uh, So Natal is a magazine dedicated to global African creativity. We're very much supporters of emerging talent. Uh, We focus on fashion, music, visual arts. We're very well known for our photography and long-form features. And, um, yeah, just really just celebrating the continent in all its forms. So you mentioned the, like, there's the long form and there's the photography, and they both really stand out in this magazine. Maybe you could tell me a bit about, like, what's your background? How do you come to be making such an ambitious magazine? Um, well, I've been around the block for a while. <laughs> yeah, not my first rodeo. So I've been a lifestyle arts music journalist for... A long time, come on for, I don't know, 15 years or something. Um, the last 10 years I've been focusing on African creativity specifically. Um, before Natal, I edited a magazine called um, Arise, which was Nigeria owned. And that got me into this whole world of Africa and I just went headlong in and absolutely loved it and I've been absorbed ever since. Um, through the various experiences, writing books and what have you, I met Sarah Hemming, who's my co-founder, and Alison Sai, the other co-founder, and we really just clicked and we both shared, we all shared a passion for doing something um, off our own backs that would take this conversation forward. So in 2015, um, we started online as, a, as an online magazine, and then we moved into photography exhibitions, doing talks, different cultural um, events, um, but last year we finally made the leap into print with the annual publication. And so was it always the plan that you would end up in print or is that just something that evolved along the way? It's actually where we, where we wanted to start, but it just made more sense. I mean, we're a very small team, very small budgets, so it made more sense to start online and also in this world you have to get your digital uh, presence right first. So it just we just thought, let's just start. It really wasn't a master plan. Let's just start online, see how it goes. And it actually, it made more sense to do it that way because you build up your voice, you build up your audience, you build up your family of contributors. And then last year we were like, hell, let's just go. Let's just do print. <laughs> so, okay, so you take the plunge and you, you make this magazine. Now, you didn't pussyfoot around in terms of 
maybe make like an issue zero and, and build up from there. You went straight in with a really big, heavy, luxurious print magazine. So again, I, I take it that must have been kind of what you had in mind from the start. Yeah, I mean, a couple of reasons. A, we just couldn't help it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we just love it. Um, mine and Sarah's backgrounds are in magazines. She used to be the art director at another magazine. Um, so we're both very well versed in this, so we don't need to worry about what we're doing. Um, and also, the, another reason why we went to print is because all the artists we work with, we just felt, and the writers, we felt their work deserved to be in print. You know, it's, I mean, nothing wrong with digital, but, you know, like we say, we're not about newsy, quick content. So we just thought, if we're going to do it, let's go big, let's go proud, let's go large, and just really go to town and then let people have that space and the lovely big pages to do to do what they want to do and what we want to do. And so we um, have got the new issue of Natal in the stack shop at the moment. And when we put stuff in the shop, we always have a little listing which talks a bit about what that magazine is and what's in it. You gave us a particular problem this time because the contents list that you sent through was like 50 lines long or something. You got so much stuff in that magazine. How do you go about finding all of these stories? Uh, we just really, I mean, it's easier. It's just your sport for choice when you start looking. So this, obviously, everyone on the team has their own passions, has their own contacts, has their own ideas, so they all develop. But what's really nice with the magazine is we want it to feel very personal. We want people to contribute things that they're really into themselves. So it's not about, okay, we have to cover this because it's on trend or anything like that. We don't Because it's an annual magazine, we're being indulgent anyway, let's go for it. So, for example, we have a shoot with Alice Mann, who won the Taylor Weston Prize this year, and it was her personal project. She wanted to shoot this really just amazing young South African brother and sister who win all these ballroom dancing competitions. So off she went and did it. I mean, I'm not going to say no to that, are you? Um, and another contributor called Joa Amar, she has her own photography archive, African studio photography archive, and she's been building this up as part of her studies for a long time. And I said, I'd love to do something, you to do something on your archive. Absolutely open slate, what do you want to do? And she chose a particular studio that was shooting in Ghana in the 80s and it was all about the concept of enjoyment and what enjoyment means and how what, what being well-dressed means in that context. So these aren't stories you're necessarily going to get everywhere else, which is one thing, and we want people to be doing it because they really believe in what they're telling the world through their stories. So, so you find stories through your contributors. To what extent are you also saying like you know you find I don't know a, a an architect or an up-and-coming musician or something and you say like well we've just got to feature these people because they're so interesting yeah absolutely so that's the other side so that's my editorial approach some forever finding people they can come to us or I'd find online or when you know I go to lots of different events and travel and I just find people all the time who I just think are amazing who are you know young and emerging or uh, just doing something fresh and yeah then I, I would then go about just doing the normal editorial thing of doing the interview or finding the right person to do the interview and such and such so everything is a unique story in that sense but it really it's it's not hard it's just you're trying to choose what what to, what to take out really. <laughs> it, like like most editing I guess is it's, yeah. it's taking away taking. I would think that one of the challenges that you face is you're making a magazine about African creativity you're not based in Africa, you're, you're here in London. So obviously a lot of stuff comes through London because we're very lucky about that. We've got, you know, we're a hub here, but 
How much of a challenge is it for you not being on the ground in the countries in Africa where you would be discovering a lot of this, particularly the untapped creativity? And obviously it's not ideal, but it's also not a problem because we've been going so long now, we have amazing contributors in all the main cities who can tell us what's happening. I mean, obviously I travel as much as I can, but um, you know, without them, without them telling us this is what's new and this is what's happening, it's what you need to know in Lagos, in Accra, in Joburg, in Nairobi. Obviously we would be lost, but we feel that we, I mean, we have those people in our world and in our, in our family who can help us feed into that. It's not about us going and doing everything ourselves. I mean, that would make no sense at all. But obviously it's, it's about diaspora creativity. London's got an amazing scene. We've got a big following in New York as well. Great things happening there. Um, and also it's a magazine for anyone who's interested in Africa as much as being African. So you know, we want it to have a global feel and um, for anyone to be able to pick it up and understand it as well. And it feels to me as a complete outsider, is it right that Africa is, as a continent, is having a bit of a moment the, in terms of, I mean, there's a lot of stories around at the moment about investment in Africa and about the, the growth of population there and the, I guess, sort of the growing prominence on the world stage. The, is this something that you feel that you find reflecting itself in the creativity coming out of the place? Absolutely. That's very much been this Africa Rising story has been going on in the business press for a long time. And it's very much true. Um, and that, and that, But I do feel in the last few years there's been an absolute quake in the younger generation. They definitely, um, broadly speaking, you, you, you definitely have this sort of confidence that they what they're doing and what's homegrown and what's happening on their doorstep and what they're creating is what's most important right now and what is most valid. And you know, I would agree with them. The rest mm. of the world, well, not the Western world is is quite jaded and sort of self-referential and going around in circles. But, you know, you look at um, the contemporary art scene that's happening, the music, the fashion, everything, it really does feel very vital at the moment. And, um, yeah, just a different energy. You know, it's not looking out for approval anymore. It's just looking inward and being very happy. Mm. And so you mentioned travelling a lot. How much time, roughly, not <laughs> in terms of like days, but like how often do you actually get out and, and like find yourself there in person? Well, as much as possible, you know, anyone who wants to invite me to their event or their fashion week or their design conference. Yeah, probably about once a month, something like that. Really? But yeah, I mean, we are a small team, so we have to do a lot ourselves. And we have a lot of partnerships. So 154, we partner with them. Um, we've done Afropunk before. Um, so we've got, we got like Cape Town Art Fair coming up, things like that. So there's always good reasons to go. And if you go for those key events, then you get to meet a lot of people all at the same time from all over the continent course, yeah, as well. Yeah. And presumably then, because so you were led to covering Africa through your work previously, I imagine that is still ongoing. So when you go and do something like a, a, an event in Cape Town, are you then covering that for other outlets as well? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Um, I just did a story for Vogue about a Moroccan creative scene, so that was great. And so I got picked up by about 10 different Vogues. So that was, it was really nice to be able to do it for different platforms and different audiences as well. So that happens quite organically. And I think there's a bit of lazy Googling going on. Sometimes I may, my name might come up a bit quickly and people just commission me. But I'm not complaining. Yeah, exactly. I'm not complaining. Yeah, yeah. you welcome that kind of laziness. <laughs> so thinking then about um, Natal's audience... Do you, how much do you know about who the people are who read your magazine and, and where they are? Um, so um, we haven't done loads and loads of research, but we can tell from the site and from social media, obviously. Um, the main audiences are London, New York, 
Lagos and Joburg, kind yeah. of as you'd expect, and Cape Town. Um, and well, about 18 to 44, sort of the kind of age, age group, quite wide, and it's a little bit more female, but only just. So mm-hmm. again, we like, that's why we do a double cover and have a male and a female cover, because we like to, we're not just a fashion magazine for girls, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And you, it strikes me that you've given yourselves a particular problem with this because, so you, you've got, you're making a magazine based here in London, so you've got big audiences in London, New York, Johannesburg, Cape Town, I think you said, yeah. Lagos. That's a lot of ground to cover, and this is a big, heavy magazine. I mean, it, it must just be hard work and expensive getting it into the right places in those cities. It's a nightmare. It's a complete <laughs> nightmare. Distribution is not easy. Um, the, through the main, you know, mainstream channels, you can get it to South Africa, and that is it. And then it just falls over. Really? The distribution is just not there. And the problem is, it's such a beast of a mag, mm. but it's, um, you know, obviously reasonably priced. So once you've shipped it, no one, you know, if you priced it accordingly, no one would be able to afford to buy it. So it's not easy. It's mm. a lot of suitcase hustle and personal friends helping me out and things like that. So it's it's a shame, it hasn't changed in all the years I've been doing it. With the previous magazine as well, it's really hard to get it to those cities. So it literally tends to be people you know, like, you know, friends and and colleagues who will, like, take it on from, like, one place and drop it off in shops or, like, is it as cottage industry as that? Yep, it really is. (laughs) Absolutely ridiculous. I know how many fit, how many will weigh uh, equal a twenty three k suitcase. I take it, or friends who do, you know, who ship in bulk and they'll pop it in their shipment. Or I mean, my my friend does a shop in Marrakesh, uh, so he took some last time he was here. I mean, it really is that basic, unfortunately. But we we live in hope that someone will crack that at some point. But I mean, to be to be honest, the, I mean, this is something we hear about magazine distribution all over the place. I mean, the, you can get your magazine to New York or to London, but then even getting on beyond that is is a struggle. The, the, there are some good companies doing good work, but it needs to be better. It really does. It seems like quite an old school system. Yeah. And yes, it, 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 considering how everything else is changing and innovating, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have no answers for that. It is, it is the one bugbear that we have. Either you do it yourself, but you're only in five shops, or you use a distributor and you slightly lose control of the situation. It's like, yeah, we're learning as we go, definitely. Mm-hmm. And so, how about you trying to? Because I mean, the thing that all magazines try to do is reach new readers. So. Okay, it's hard work getting magazines into shops, but that's only one way for people to find you. So what else do you find yourselves doing to try to spread the footprint of Natal? Um, for us, really, it's about events. So for, for the second issue, we did an event in New York, we did one in Joburg, we did, we did one in London, and you're inviting your audience and your contributors and um, your community and just putting it directly in front of them is the best way. Mm-hmm. We also do a lot, like I said earlier, a lot of media partnerships. So they'll take the magazine into that art fair or that music festival or that conference or whatever it might be and just put it in front of the people who are going to be automatically interested. Like we, took, we, were, we did Africa Rights Festival at the British Library last month we were really modest, we just gave them a few copies, they went in like 30 minutes. We're like, oh damn it, we should have sent more. So I think really just that direct route is, is the best way forward. And if, if you're um, you know, a small magazine, niche magazine, there's nothing wrong with that, just trying to go straight to your audience where they're going to be that day. Yeah, yeah. It's always the gamble. You know, before. So we've got two events coming up, one in Hamburg uh, and one in Bangkok next month. And just figuring out how many magazines to send over there is that you, you don't want to 
end up shipping half of it back. No. You don't want to run out in a day. It's so difficult. Yeah, exactly. We never get it right. Because you know? once, once you've... <laughs> like, when we do put, put, you know, spend the money and send them, say, to Cape Town for an event, and then you just... You can't get them. You can't bring them back. Mm. So you're basically just, fingers crossed, that you've got, got the gauge of a situation. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting, I suppose. Uh, so you also... Um, it's worth mentioning, I think. Uh, so you won Best Original Nonfiction... Uh, last year at our Stack Awards. Um, I think that that story in particular, so it's a, a, a great story um, about the sort of knockoff fashion uh, going between Nigeria, and, well, it's very popular in Nigeria, made in China, and, and your writer, Alan Gastel, mm-hmm. I pronounce it, followed that line, and, and I was fascinated by like this perspective I'd never seen before. How do you come across a story like that? And how do you know that that's going to be right for Natal? Um, yeah, that was a really nice, unique story for last issue. And again, it was something... Because Alan isn't just your everyday interview someone journalist. She's very much into the serious, long-form uh, stories, which she'll develop them for months. Like, she's a real writer. So it was her, her project she'd already developed, that she'd already done the travel, and she had no home for the story. And I've known her for a good few years. She's American, but she's based in Lagos. And I really wanted her to be part of the issue. And she said, well, I've got this. This mammoth thing I really need to write. It's going to be about 5,000 words. I'm like, I'm here for you. <laughs> I'm here for you. And it was like, it's a really random concept when you say it out loud. But her writing is so lyrical. It's so beautiful. It's so passionate. It's so informed. And, you know, I just think it grips you all the way through. So, I mean, there's obviously, it's about the execution in terms of, like, she's a great writer. But then also... I guess more generally, when you're commissioning for the magazine, what's the sort of stuff that like it sets it sets the little sort of bells ringing in your head of like this is right for us, this is our kind of story. Oh, it's tricky. It's really tricky. I mean, obviously you have to tick certain boxes. Like this issue, we really wanted to up in terms of the personalities we were covering. So you know. Who doesn't love Nena Cherry? And she had, and I was just obsessed with getting Nena Cherry in this issue, and I did it. So <laughs> that was more of a personal high. Um, but then on the other side, you want to balance it up. So we had Little Sims, who's obviously, you know, the younger generation, but really killing it right now. So th- those sorts of obvious things as well. But when someone comes to you with a story, it's just, it's just like I haven't heard about this before. This is a completely unique narrative. Um, maybe it's about an area that doesn't get written about so much. Um, I mean, with Alan's story, it was, it was based around fake Versace, and uh, you know, who knew they they created like they call it Versace, you know, and they actually change it so they don't get sued, I assume, and all these things. It's just things that make you smile, and things you haven't seen, things you didn't know. It's just and anything that feels fresh. I mean, like I said, it's new talent as well, so it could be a photographer's first published shoot, and that's really exciting. And a lot of the photographers, especially we've worked with at the beginning, are now really established and going great places. So it's just really nice to be able to be a platform that they can express through and, and succeed through. And presumably keep on working with them in the future as they keep on developing. Absolutely, yeah. So you've got this annual magazine, which you're now two issues into. What plans, if any, do you have for the future? How, how far ahead do you look with this project? We've got lots of like grand schemes. How we get there, we're not so sure. Um, obviously, issue three, I think annual for us is fine. Hopefully, the next one won't get any bigger because we'll never get it in the post. <laughs> um, we'd really love uh, to have 
a little office in some key cities mm. in Africa, have some young journalists and, and art directors there who we could work with. That would be the dream, but obviously we don't have the budget for that at the moment. We'd like to get more regular event series on the go. So we, we did have an annual photography exhibition in New York, so we'd love to bring that maybe to London and then take it onto the continent. That's always been on the table. And another area which we really haven't cracked yet and we, we need to, um, we're now looking at how we go about it properly, is more film, short and long form. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a massive job. <laughs> um, within all of this, the, do you see yourself spending more time with it in the future or is, there, is this about the right level that you can put into it at the moment? Um, no, I'd, well, I put in most of my time as it right. is, but it would be it would be nice if we could, you know, money's always the challenge, but if we could get that working a little bit better for us, then, yeah, it would be great to be able to, yeah, just put more and more time in it and build up the team and be able to just do more, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I love it, um, and I actually haven't properly had a chance to read this issue, so this is one of the ones I'm taking away with me on holiday, uh, so I'm looking forward to reading it on holiday, um, and looking forward to seeing where you go in the future. Thanks a lot. Okay, that's all for this week. It's weird to think that I spoke to Helen before the holidays. Um, It's less than a month ago now, but that seems like a very long time uh, because the beach is a distant memory and we're going all out with the Stack Awards. As I record this, there's just one week left until the deadline for entries. So if you make your own independent magazine and you're thinking of entering, please do get your copies to us by Friday the 27th of September so you can be included in this year's shortlisting. Okay, I promise this is the last time I'm going to mention awards entries now, probably until next year. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And I'd love it if you'd leave us a review too. Thanks very much if you're one of the people who've already done that. And particular thanks to William Rayner, who left a lovely review earlier this month. I'm really pleased you're enjoying it, William. I genuinely do read like all the comments and um, trying to take stuff on board. So um, please do let me know what you think to all of this. Thank you very much for listening to this one. And we'll be back with another episode next week.